When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app. We recommend Spotify because it works on both the Apple and Android platforms. Also, check out Dash Radio. Download the Dash Radio app for free. Search for Nothing But Net. We're there every single day at 7 p.m. My new show on OnSideRadio.com airs there from 10 to 12. You can also find that in all the podcast apps. It's called Five Reasons Sports Show and FiveReasonsSports.com. Spell that one out, F-I-V-E, ReasonsSports.com with all the latest stories about South Florida sports from our contributors. Also want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network and the sponsor of this particular episode, and that's Biscayne Bay Brewing. This is the official beer of the five reasons sports network but not just us also of the miami marlins you can find it at many many publixes in south florida you can also go to their website at biscaynebaybrewing.com and from there you can locate it ask for it at your favorite restaurant one thing we haven't told you about much is they're building a tap house in miami downtown miami right down the street from the arena so that's going to be a great place to go once covid passes Hopefully it passes. We're going to have watch parties, do all kinds of stuff there. Um, they've got not only the Tropical Bay IPA, the Marlins Lager, and the Miami Pale Ale, which I've got a bunch of in my fridge and I mention a lot, but also the Pastime Pilsner, a little bit more of a football beer. So check out all four of their beers. Again, this is the official beer, the Miami Marlins and the and Five Reasons Sports. They are in our community and they're supporting your network in the community. So support us to support, well, Support them to support us and support us to support them. It works both ways. So check out Biscayne Bay Brewing. Again, the only independent brewery in South Florida. And now, tonight's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander. Part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. Here's today's floor plan. It's just me and Greg Sylvander tonight. We'll have Alex Toledo back as the week progresses. We come to you after a dispiriting loss for the Miami Heat against the Utah Jazz. They, they, they played pretty well, I thought, early in the game, particularly defensively. But then offensively, they couldn't get anything going. And then when they were getting open shots, they weren't making them. They're now one and nine against the better teams on the schedule this year, uh, which is a little bit troubling. I mean, Utah has been pretty much the best team in the league for the past month, and they got the best record in the league. Uh, but I think the way that that game went down, Greg, was frustrating. And one of the major frustrations I think that Heat fans are having is the Duncan Robinson situation. And I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's directed at Duncan specifically. I think it's directed at the inability to free Duncan to be as effective as he was last season and the way that's bringing down the rest of the offense. So we're going to basically, because right now the Heat are a pretty good defensive team by the numbers. They're not a good offensive team and it actually was reversed last year. So for all the talk we, we have, we we've had about the defense that hasn't really been the biggest problem. So let's get to it in two parts, Greg, the first part of this, we're going to talk about what's going on now 
with Duncan Robinson, and the team, how they get him better looks. Can this roster as constructed kind of deliver those looks and whether or not he's really regressed or this is sort of an eye test thing. So we're going to touch on that. Second part of the episode, we'll touch on where you go from here. Is he worth the 18 to $20 million that we've speculated here on five on the floor? Can they produce another Duncan Robinson? Do they want to let one of their homegrowns walk? So we're going to touch on all that second, but let's start on the first part. Um, there was a cu- couple quotes from Duncan. Duncan actually was made available to the media tonight, uh, which was fortuitous for us, but also Eric Spolster talked about him. He said, that Duncan Robinson, he's being game planned every night is every single night is a priority. As a group, we have to do a better job of executing details and getting him open. And then there was a bunch of quotes. You can follow all these that Brady Hawk's account, Brady Hawk 305 in our network. Um, Duncan Robinson on dribble handoffs this year compared to previously, quote, they're being physical and just trying to knock it down, not letting me get to it. It's going to require some creativity, and it's not something we can just flow into anymore. Bam Adebayo touched on this after the Utah game. So I'll just get to this, and then we'll get to how they free him. Is it as bad as it looks right now, Greg? Well, I think in stretches and in certain games, absolutely it does. And in the month of February, it it definitely does. I mean, if you look at just in the seven games of February, Duncan Robinson's only averaging 10 points a game, shooting 37% from the field uh, and from three, 37%, but only on seven 0.7 attempts so even uh, the attempts are kind of down from where they were in January and teams are just they're game planning for him Spo said it and it is this is the big adjustment this is what happens when you have playoff games where you go off and you have seasons where you uh, end up in graphics uh, next to Clay Thompson and Steph Curry like teams are are game planning for this kind of stuff but overall he's still shooting 40 percent from three the gravity that he um and the attention that he requires is still all there so there's a part of me that yes i think that there probably is indications from what we've been watching that he has um maybe a ceiling to his game. He's not banned with no ceiling, but I also don't think that he's all of a sudden some player that is not, uh, that is not like a high caliber contender starting, you know, player on a contending team. Like I still think he's absolutely that. Well, there are three elements to this, right. In terms of getting him open and you mentioned it, he's on the game plan. We knew that was going to be the case though. I mean, that happened some in the bubble. I mean, there were certain, I mean, he didn't play as well in the playoffs. He wasn't as consistently effective as he had been previously. So some of this has already happened. And then you give teams another couple of months. And also let's be honest that he really didn't add anything this off season. So there's no new wrinkle to really look at, right? It's, I mean, the heat are a dribble handoff team. It's what Spolster has run for the most part with this group, whether it was bam as an initiator, a lot of the times or Olenek. Um, the big three had different components to their offensive sets that that's what this group does. Okay. This is, you know, you, we talk about pace and space and all that, you know, when Shaq was the center, this was a post-up team. When Dwayne, Dwayne was an isolation team. This is a dribble handoff team. I mean, that is, that has been what they've sort of gone to Spolster, you know, plays to the strengths of his group. But the question is, is, is it still enough of a strength to the group to still go to it? So I'm going to go to three different elements of this. Okay. Eric Spolstra, Duncan Robinson, or Duncan Robinson's teammates. Who, in your view, is most responsible now for kind of breaking the code? I got to go to Eric Spolstra. Um, I think that we've seen Spolstra center the offense around the Drew handoff. And that is, in, 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 from my perspective, and, and obviously, like, I'm no Nikias Duncan, so so take, take what I say with a grain of salt. But to me, that has always been an offense that's 
look to be one to maximize a player like Duncan Robinson. Like that's the kind of stuff that really gets him going. But there's some other guys on the team that maybe would benefit from some different sets. And it would also uh, pull the uh, defensive attention away from this set that, that everybody knows we're going to so much. So I think it's really on Spolstra and the coaching staff to come up with some stuff. Uh, it also, I mean, there, it's incumbent on Duncan to, to work through it. I think that there's also some physicality stuff that he can, that he can work on and, and just getting stronger and being able to kind of fight through when, when people are, uh, you know, you're seeing defenders kind of jam him up in ways that they didn't last year. Cause he just wasn't on the scouting report. So he's, it's incumbent on him that, way um and there's not enough creators without Gorn so it's a little bit of everybody but ultimately this is going to land on Spolstra well and look Eric um you know has earned a reputation as being one of the best coaches in the league and and it is up to him to kind of figure out these riddles at the same time you know we talk about roster construction and you mentioned it you know with Goran Dragic out and I don't look I don't know that Goran Dragic can be relied upon to be in there a lot. Okay. I just yeah. don't, I mean, I, you know, we're talking about somebody who's, you know, in his mid thirties, he had a long bubble run last year that was not really anticipated. He was a starter for it. I mean, I know they preserved him earlier in the season, but they certainly didn't preserve him in the playoffs. And then of course he had the foot injury at the end of that thing in the finals. And, and I just feel like, and I know that heat fans are going to get on me and I'm already getting all this stuff. They should have gotten another creator. They should have gotten hard in. They should have, I, I understand that idea. Okay. Last year, this was enough. The question becomes though, if they get away from the dribble handoff game, as much as they've gone to it, do they have enough creators to do other things uh, on this team? Right. Especially if you don't have Dragic. And I know you didn't have Jimmy for a period of time also, but you did have Jimmy against Utah and they just couldn't get into any kind of offense. And, and the other question I kind of ask is like, I sort of feel like the dribble handoff game has become a little bit of a crutch for Bam in particular, but also for Jimmy not to be aggressive, right? Correct. Like, right. And so they don't run enough ISOs for either of them at time. And it's the ISOs yeah. a lot of the time or just a high pick and roll that sometimes will get them downhill uh, and get them to the line, if nothing else, right? And, and we know that that's such a big component of the Heat's game. Sometimes it feels like a lot of fancy stuff that's just going on in circles and not leading anywhere, and, and it does, I, I think, let Bam and Jimmy sometimes who are naturally unselfish off the hook. And, and I, I don't I don't think that's necessarily a place that the Heat want to be all the time. No, and that's where you feel like you are because you're right. Uh, there, there are instances where that dribble handoff stuff, it is solely to get a guy like Duncan loose and to get him going. And it's not really, if you look at Jimmy and Bam and where you would put them in, in their best positions to just go at it um, and, and be aggressive, it wouldn't necessarily be in that set. Um, but when, when you look at, um, at, at Duncan Robinson, it's, it's just difficult to, um, to see how they're going to figure out, like to, to revamp the offense is not realistic you don't know when you're going to get Dragic back. So you feel like you're almost like a creator and a half short at this point because there's been so much on that they've had to rely upon on the top end of the roster. Kendrick Nunn has been up and down, more up than down recently, but you, you don't know if you can depend on that so much. So it gets a little dicey when you think about, um, I, I mean, I guess the player really is Tyler Hero and he's having, when you look at the stats, he's having a great season, but for some reason, to me, it's not translating into Duncan getting free and the attention being there on him the way that it would maybe some other players. 
Yeah, and I, I don't know necessarily that uh, we talk about their defensive chemistry. Well, not chemistry, but just whether or not you can play the two of them defensively. Again, the defense hasn't really been the problem from from a statistical standpoint. It's been the offense. And the two of them, I don't know, they just don't seem to have a lot of flow together this year. I, I It's almost like if Duncan's doing his thing, the hero's not. Um, and, and I know early in the season, kind of the idea was to put the ball more in Tyler's hands and to allow him to be more of a creator. Uh, but again, that seemed to get away from Duncan. I, I think the big number you mentioned is the attempts. You know, I, I think they would like, you know, Duncan to be in the nine to 11 range in attempts, you know, and I know that seems like a ton, but in the modern game for an elite shooter, it's not. And he was there and you mentioned he's in the sevens most nights. And I just, I don't, and some of them just, I mean, it seems like they're out of the game when he gets to some of them. It just doesn't seem like a natural flow. Now, let me ask you one more question, and then we're going to, after the break, uh, discuss, you know, kind of where you go from here on the, you know, going forward. Because, you know, if, if you can't find a solution here, then it, it, it's harder to sort of justify paying him that much. Um, but I, I, do you do you think that taking him away from Hero more often, in other words, taking him out of the, maybe Hero goes back in the starting lineup, you go smaller, and you take Duncan out, does that make any sense? I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, uh, it just doesn't seem like the current combinations are working all that. Yeah, way. no, I can understand why you would grasp at straws to find different, um, you know, like d- d- different mixes of the lineup that would work. But I kind of think we've landed on what should be taking place and that hero be the guy off the bench and that Duncan Robinson remain in the starting lineup. He's so pivotal to when you have two non-shooters in the lineup, what they're, what they're doing right now. So I think that they're, that, that none of that really needs to be tweaked. This is going to have to come from, uh, you know, just adjustments on the fly, them maybe uh, finding some new offensive wrinkles to get Duncan free in ways that maybe he normally doesn't get free. Uh, I don't know if there's an opportunity, maybe, um, you know, he was getting a lot more back cuts where he would get to the basket occasionally in the bubble. And I thought that that was something that as he did that more, it set him up to get open. And I I can't say I've seen as much of that. And um, maybe my eyes are lying to me, but I think that there could be other ways, um, you know, offensively that they could try to get him loose. Well, he did say tonight he's studying Wayne Ellington tape. He's studying Clay Thompson tape. He's studying other ways to get open. I'm glad you landed there because I feel like we haven't focused enough on what he has to do, right? We're talking about what his teammates have to do. We're focusing on what Spolster has to do. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, the great players in this league, the ones that are really worth paying, okay, and moving forward with are the ones that that counter your counter, right? And I feel like at times we've seen Hero figure that out. I kind of feel like we're seeing Kendrick Nunn figure that out, you know, over this past month. Like I like he he's I don't know, he took the step a major, major steps back, but he's taken some step forward. And I, you know, I've been told that that's mostly with him confidence and playing time, but I also think he's made some some adjustments. The adjustments are what keep you in the league. I mean, look, Jeremy Lynn couldn't make adjustments when teams adjusted to him, right? Like, I mean, that's and, you know, now he's in the G League, okay? I mean, you know, that's a key thing here. And I'm not saying Duncan's going back to the G League. He's, in, he's in a, you know, a terrific shooter. But the other guy to mention is Davis Bertans is having the same problems this year. In fact, worse, right? Like, the, like Washington paid him. His numbers are awful this season when he's played. Um, so, to me, a lot of this is Duncan has to counter. Like, if, if he's going to – we've talked so much about the defense – 
and, you know, him being able to stay on the floor and avoid the foul trouble and all that. And I feel like he's done some good things there, but he's also offensively going to have to figure out a way to get to a mid range game on occasion. He's not a bad finisher, actually. Um, his finishing numbers have been pretty good, but if, if he could simply, instead of just sort of the slide step and the gather and, and to try to get the shot off. And it seems like when he does that this year, the second defender comes. And so he yeah, can't, he has nowhere he can't to go. get off the look. He has nowhere to go. And, and, and sometimes he's trapped. I feel like if he could, if he could put the ball on the deck, even two dribbles in that situation with a fake, he, I, he's done it at times, but you're right. Not, but not as much this year, you know, and just get to a 16 footer. It's not the word. I know everybody hates the mid range, but the mid range is better than a contested three. Okay. If it's an open mid range shot, I'll take that. I mean, some of this is on him. Isn't yeah, it? no, it, it, it absolutely is. And this is where guys, you figure out who, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, kind of has the trajectory to develop bigger than than what you initially see, and then other guys get figured out and they settle into their roles, and and both can be absolutely, uh, you know, great additions to winning teams. But you know, like, and we're gonna get into this in the second half of the implications of how you handle him financially going forward. I think that there's a lot of stuff to unpack there. But for now, um. It, you know, it's just, it, it's a situation where he is going to have to kind of work through this. I think a lot of it has to do with mental stuff and, and, and not mental in like a, your head's not in the game way. It's that like, you have to go back to the drawing board and keep an open mind to how you're going to attack offensively uh, and, and try some new stuff and get out of your comfort zone. I just don't know. I'm out of answers from that, from that perspective, because um, it, it's, he doesn't have, he has great setup, men. Like make mm. no mistake about it. Bam out of bio, Jimmy Butler, they're great setup, men. But there was something different when you had like a Dwayne Wade type player and Jason Capona was yeah. feeding off of that. There's a certain level of attention that is just different. And, and Duncan does not have that kind of luxury on this roster. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and I mentioned earlier, he was watching, actually, he said today he's talked to JJ Redick and Wayne Ellington um, about trying to figure out ways to get free. And look, you know, the heat figured out ways to get Wayne free. And, and then that was shut down a little bit at towards the end. I remember Wayne, I think part of it was defense, but that playoff series against Philadelphia, he was unplayable um, after having a great season. So, I mean, this happens to a lot of different shooters. I mean, not everybody is Steph where, I mean, all the attention's on him and he's basically putting up the most ridiculous splits of his career. We're not expecting Duncan to be Steph, but there were the clay comparisons last year. I think numbers wise, he was there, but as far as on the court, being able to adjust, take that next step. I think what's been shown this season is not quite yet. All right. We're going to talk about kind of where you go in the future with him. Before we do I want to tell you about another great sponsor, the five reasons sports network. This one is a lot of fun. It's prizepicks.com. Use the code five F I V E. Our whole network is playing now. Um, I took a two day off just because I got frustrated, but I'm going right back at it. Uh, you got the NBA. You can bet soccer. You can bet t tennis. It's not just betting. You're basically picking players. You're going over or under 
their fantasy projections, but you can take single stat categories now too. So if you just want to say, Hey, you think that Jimmy's going to go over 23.5 points, you can go over, you can go under, you can pair them with somebody else. You can pair with somebody from a totally different sport. And look, there's no minimum on what you bet there. Okay. You can give it a shot with 10 bucks, uh, play a power play. So you just sort of all in on a pick or play a flex play where you're hedging your bet. You might get a little bit back or you will get some back uh, if one of your two uh, picks hits or something along those lines. So give it a shot. Prizepicks.com. This is the new way to play daily fantasy. You see this popping up everywhere. There's even a couple billboards on I-95 now. So this is the hot new one and we really like it. Prizepicks.com. Use the code five. All right, let's get to the next part of this because you know, when I pushed, when I put a poll up today, you know, is it incumbent upon the Heat to rely on Duncan less or find a way to free Duncan? You know, people sort of went 50-50 on that, but a lot of people in the comments were like, and it's incumbent on the Heat to trade Duncan. And see, this is kind of what I hate because, you know, players who become fan favorites, and Duncan was one of them last year, you know, if something's not working, everybody wants him out. But there is a real, you know, there's, there's a legitimate, you know, issue to discuss. We've talked about it on so many pods, which is that, if they're going to make a trade, Duncan Robinson is a player who may, you know, be asked for, okay. Who may be of value to another team because elite shooting is hard to come by. Um, and if the heat have plans to keep him, then you don't trade him. But if the heat are hedging a little bit about what his potential price tag could be, and we've estimated it somewhere in about the $18 million a year range, then it does make sense to trade him. You know, when his value is relatively high, it's not where it was perhaps, but, you know, before you have to make that decision, if you're not planning on keeping him anyway. So let's go to this. Has this shaken in any way your view of whether Duncan Robinson is going to be worth that kind of money? There's so many layers to this question. Cause um, I think like one thing and me being the hope trafficker that I am, I think it's important for me to distinguish that um, like Duncan Robinson is not Clay Thompson and he's not going to develop into a Clay Thompson and he won't evolve into that. So like, let's just, we can stop there. And, and if I've ever made any of those comparisons, it was only based off of the pure shooting statistics. Um, I do think that we're seeing that there is uh, a ceiling to Duncan Robinson's game, but there's a premium on shooting. So you're going to have to pay more for the best shooters on planet earth. So like there's already going to be an added incremental cost to his contract, just based off the fact that his skill set is more sought after than other skill sets, generally speaking. So um, where, where this starts to get really tricky for me is you have a roster built around two players that are not stars, or excuse me, that are not shooters, that are your stars. And you either need to go acquire your third star, whoever that's going to be. And maybe Duncan will be involved in that deal. And then we're never going to have to cross this bridge of, do you pay Duncan Robinson? But I also feel like that was the move that had to be made. And then you go over the cap to keep Duncan. And he's kind of like the glue that, that brings it all together. And now it's getting a little bit less clear whether the heat can make that happen, whether they can really have three established all-stars and then Duncan as the glue. That was kind of how I felt this build was heading. And um, now it's a little less clear whether they can actually make that transpire. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and you know, I, I think we assumed that there was going to be a third star. The craziest part about this is if the third star had ended, had ended up being Giannis, um, then Duncan was even more essential because then you were having three non-shooters, right. essentially. And, and look, I, I don't know that 
Bam's going to be a non-shooter in two years. He's trending to more of a shooter, but he's not a range shooter at this point. But Jimmy is a non-shooter. I mean, I think we're, you know, I mean, it, it took him basically eight games to hit a three-pointer, okay? So I, we don't view him as a shooter. He does everything else. But with Giannis, he was going to be even more important. I think if, if the guy was Bradley Beal, it becomes slightly less important, exactly. right? Because, right. So, so I think it, it depends who that guy is. Um, but I don't know necessarily that we're talking about a lot of these potential third options who may ultimately become first options offensively. Cause I think Beal would be, um, you know, all being sort of elite shooters. So you're right. Duncan becomes the glue to that. Uh, the other point to this, and, and you, you shot this to me before we started, and this is a great point. The heat don't really like to let their homegrown players walk. I mean, that was, uh, particularly the ones that are major success stories. And, and you know, in, in the context of, of heat success stories, undrafted players, Duncan Robinson's ahead of a lot of the guys they paid, okay? He, he's a more impactful player than Tyler Johnson ever was. And, you know, Mickey Arison was the one who kind of, you know, came in over the top on that, and they matched the four-year $50 million contract. Um, and, and Duncan's much more impactful than, than Tyler was. Tyler was a nice sort of third guard. Duncan is more than that, okay? He's an elite shooter um you know they they paid obviously hassan whiteside the max okay and i i know that's a pre- considered someone that pat considered at a premium position um but you can make an argument that duncan robinson's skill set is more important to the modern nba than hassan whiteside's skill set and certainly his attitude is is more conducive to winning basketball okay so uh, you know and they paid those guys right i mean it's it's been rare that they've let those kind of players walk. I mean, Ike Austin, you go back years and years. That was it. it. That was well. And Bruce Bowen's the other one, but Bruce wasn't home. I mean, they kind of made Bruce, but it was a little different. It was a little, they kind of insulted. Well, Pat insulted Bruce. Exactly. He called the 29th best small forward in the league or something like that. Uh, And Bruce ended up leaving for less money to go to San Antonio and then win one championships. But, they, but you hit it though. They got, they got burned when they traded Ike Austin because they knew they couldn't afford him and they didn't mm-hmm. want to keep him and Zoe. So they flipped him for Brent Barry was at a, who was at a position of need while we were all clamoring for Mitch Richmond. We got Brent Barry mm-hmm. and um, then that didn't work out. And it feels like, I mean, who else has Riley ever sold high on? It's not his thing. Um, no, well, I shouldn't say that he has sold high to get stars. Okay. So in other words, Oh, no um, doubt that he sold high on Lamar Odom. Okay. Um, I mean, Lamar had to that point, his best season in the NBA was with the heat and he became the centerpiece of that trade. Now, Karan had had a little bit of a down year because he, he was banged up that year. But, but Lamar, certainly, I mean, Lamar, that was a peak year for LeBron to, excuse me, LeBron, Lamar to that stage of his career. So that one, um, I mean, I think you could say that Josh Richardson maybe sold high on perhaps. Um, I mean, they tried to force him into being a first option, but he was pretty close to the highest level he played with, with the heat uh, Glenn Rice, they sold high on, but he wasn't really, you know, Pat's player. I mean, that was, that was to get, so he's done it he's done it to get, you know, to get the player who's a rung above. Okay. Uh, but just to sell a player off or to give up on a player or not sign a player in free agency. I mean, it, this isn't a heat homegrown, obviously, because he played with seven teams before Jay Crowder. I mean, they let, they let Jay walk uh, after, you know, because they wouldn't bend and they, they offered him 14 million for one year, but they didn't want to give him the second year. Uh, maybe DJJ. 
Could you argue that? Like, yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I guess there are some examples more recently where they've had to discern who they keep and who they don't. But everyone I talk to close to the organization says Duncan Robinson, if they're ever faced with that decision, that ultimately they find it really hard to believe that they would not just lock him up and just figure out that, you know what, a shooter um, of his caliber will be an asset to somebody at some point and we'll figure out the details later. Well, no, and I get that. I mean, but, and we talked about this, uh, Alex and I almost more than a year ago on the pod where before Duncan had really, really emerged and Kendrick was playing so well, I was still told at that point inside the organization that Duncan would be the priority over Kendrick Nunn in terms of an extension. Okay. And so, and from there, Duncan trended up and Kendrick trended down. Now what's kind of crazy is Kendrick has trended up a little bit, although, you know, over the last three weeks, Kendrick doesn't have as unique a skill set. But we talk about Kendrick's age. Duncan's older than Kendrick. So, you know, I, I, I don't I mean, they've been willing, I, I think, to, to move on from Kendrick uh, in a way they have not been willing to move on from Duncan. And I think that's probably still the case. But it, it does get tricky. And I don't know if it's still going to come into that 18 to 20 million dollar range because of, you know, the cap hits that are, are going on right. around the league. And maybe because, you know, the Bertans contract may scare some people off because that looks like a bad deal right now. And you know, and, and for one dimensional shooters. And I think what this really comes down to is Duncan's going to have to show a second dimension. Okay. Um, either that second dimension is going to be continuing to improve defensively or maybe becoming a better rebounder. Or I think the biggest thing is just becoming more of a weapon offensively, which is developing more of that mid range game. I think if the mid range game is something that, that he can go to when they take away his first option, then I do think he becomes more valuable to them. But if he's going to be strictly a three-point shooter, and this gets to the next part of this and, and the final part of this, which is, you know, we talk about, you know, them not wanting to give up on their own, but do they think they can just create another? I mean, Max is Max Struess another? I, I don't, you know, he's looked pretty good. Uh, he doesn't have, he, he's stronger than Duncan, it appears. Uh, he's not as tall as Duncan. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know necessarily that he can play up the way that Duncan sometimes can play up, but maybe he can because of his physicality. And he seems to be a better athlete than Duncan. I mean, he's literally dunking on people. I mean, do they think they can just make another? I mean, they, they've done it with the Jason Caponos of the world for the one year. I mean, I, I won't say that they made him because he was obviously had a skill set prior to that, but um, you know, with, uh, with Duncan and Wayne Ellington in the short stints and now Struess. And then you just, you don't know who else they could be thinking of and have their eyes on going forward. Um, I just think it's, it is definitely worth thinking about um, that that may help them in the negotiating phase, but I do not think that it would uh, make them go in the direction of letting him walk in any, I just don't think that that's even viable. All right. Um, I'm going to close here with a quote from Bam Adebayo, which kind of set this thing off for us last night. This was his quote after the loss. Bam Adebayo, this is Brady's account again. Bam Adebayo on defense is guarding them this year. They're trying to take Duncan out of the game. The stuff we did with Duncan last year, we can't do this year. Me and Jimmy got to figure it out, but I can't shoot that bad from the field again. Again, this is the conundrum. And this is what we'll be watching. We'll continue to discuss this and why we wanted to get into it tonight. You know, can they continue to go to this well over and over and over again when it doesn't seem to be working all that well? Can they make the adjustments to make it work or do their two biggest stars just need to be more aggressive, <laughs> need to have more ISOs, maybe even more post-ups, particularly for Jimmy, I think more so than Bam 
and just find other ways through because I will tell you, Greg, the Utah game, and I know I've been one of those, I've been kind of in and out and in and out on this team and kind of saying, well, you know, with Jimmy, they look different. They look better. Let's see him get healthy. But I do have concerns. The Utah game was very dispiriting. I, I yeah, just, no. they, they were right? outclassed. They were outclassed. They just did not look like they belonged on the court with them. And, and you cannot just attribute that to Goran Dragic. And no. I, I think it, you know, they need it, a shakeup. There's no it, doubt. Like we, yeah. I, I can wax poetic about the fact that the future is bright and the stars are here and everything is fine. But it's abundantly clear that this team is presently constructed is not a contender, like a championship contender. Like, let's not fool ourselves. Mm. So a shakeup in that regard has to happen at some point, which is a whole nother podcast. But um, but you're right. Last night, when you see how that third quarter started and the blitz that took that took place, they're not on that level. They had no answers. They just had no answers. And, and when you see a team with no answers, you're like, you're right. They're not, they're outclassed. And again, you can't mention the Dragic thing and not mention the fact that Mike Conley missed the game and Conley's played really well for them. They didn't really have a point guard last night. Utah didn't, I know they're four and zero without Conley, but uh, I mean, he's a big part of what they do. And so to me, that was a wash no Dragic, no Conley and just the rest of the team. Like they, you can't just say it was a bad night for Jimmy. They just, they, they kept going to the same thing. They didn't have any answers. And I just think at this point, we got to be honest and we got to address it. All right, check out our sponsors, Biscayne Bay Brewing, also prizepicks.com. Use the code FIVE. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. <laughs>